Hey, I'm Jess O'Callaghan, and this is the Audiocraft podcast, recorded on the day by Podcast One Australia. If you could travel back in time and give advice to your former audio-making self, what would you say? What tips and tricks would you share before you'd ever hit publish on that first episode? Are there things you'd tell yourself to care less about? Missed opportunities you'd seize? What you're about to hear is pretty special. Five audio makers pen letters to themselves at the start of their podcast making journey and share what they wish they knew back then. Nikesh Morali, Georgia Moody, Adam Shand, Travis DeVries and Lindsay Green reassure and roast their past selves. And they give everyone listening a good dose of advice about building a career as an audio maker in the process. I'll let Rudy Bremer introduce them. Rudy is the producer of ABCRN's Away and host of the new ABC Kids podcast, Little Yarns. She was on our 2019 programming committee and is going to guide you through this session, What I Wish I Knew. So first up, Nikesh. He's the host of India's most popular horror and crime podcast for adults, Indian Noir. He's a Commonwealth Short Story Prize and DWL Short Story Prize winning writer and an internationally acclaimed spoken poetry artist. His books include an Amazon best-selling short story collection, The Killing Fields, and a crime novel, His Night Begins. So, Nikesh. Hola. This is more uh, an, a manifesto to inspire you than a, what I wish I knew thing. But let's start with this. I'm a traveller from an antique land who said, Two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them, on the sand, half sunk, a shattered visage lies whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command. Tell that its sculptor, well, those passions read which yet survive, stamped on these lifeless things, the hand that mocked them, and the heart that fed. And on the pedestal, these words appear My name is Ozymandias, King of Kings. Look on my works, he mighty, and despair. Nothing beside remains. Round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away. So that was Ozymandias by Shelley, and uh, that was the origin of Indian Noir. So I had cremated my writing career, moved on, and then for the pure pleasure of it, um, I was reading poetry on Twitter. And some of them became vital sensations. They raked, uh, racked in up on uh, over a million views. And I thought to myself, why don't I adapt some of my long-buried stories and turn them into the audio formats? I wish I had understood the power of the human voice because I would have cherished the first words I said into the mic for Indian Noir instead of succumbing to anxiety and worrying about the judgment of others. If your craft is solid and your voice is true, listeners will follow. The voice is superior to the written word. Before we etched words on a parchment, we told stories around a campfire. Research paper after research paper proves that the human voice can stimulate the brain in amazing ways, even help reduce symptoms of dementia, 
you're not merely podcasting. You're changing lives, planting ideas, motivating listeners, bringing order to a chaotic existence. I wish I knew when I started the podcast that when the intro music kicks in and I say, this is Indian Noir, I wish I knew I was invoking a powerful magic that could help manifest the theater of the mind. Believe that you are practicing a craft that is ancient and powerful. I know I sound very serious, and I'm doing this for a good reason, because my first attempt at audio storytelling was not graced with the gravitas or depth that I have preached about in the last few minutes. My first story featured two Indian mages throwing fireballs at a monster while ignoring the simmering sexual tension between them. They then proceed to defeat the said monster and they gaze at each other's bodies lustfully as their mouth obligatory post-mage battle yay lines. Um, Not the best strategy to break into an oral storytelling podcast market in a conservative country. Um, A facepalm moment to cherish till the end of time. I was embarrassed, I was mortified and I went into hiding for a month. But I wish I knew it was okay to make mistakes. It took me a year of publishing audio stories in different genres and analyzing the data to figure out that horror and crime were popular choices. The goof-ups and my willingness to experiment is the reason why Indian Noir is number one in the storytelling category in Apple Podcasts in India. While listeners value the quality of your content, they don't come back for your radio voice or your snazzy sound effects. They come back because they sense your sincere, authentic self. With Indian Noir, I wanted to create a specific experience I used to enjoy as a child. The memory of an older, distant cousin of mine reading serialized horror and crime stories to me from Indian pulp weeklies. Now, Indian Noir even features episode artwork that calls out to the art style in those magazines. Let your podcast be a calling card for your true self. Let your soul and life story live in the waveforms that capture your voice. That is the recipe for success. As Tyrion Lannister says, what matters is a good story. It will help us bear the sad and horrifying truth that we have no control over the fate of this world. Every week, thousands of people tune in to listen to me tell the story of a morally compromised, violent man on a crusade with no redemption in sight. It's a B-movie potboiler that manages to pull at the heartstrings of its listeners. I'm surprised and moved to this day when people write in to express their pathos for one of the main characters a victim of a sex trafficking syndicate, like she is their friend or sister. These characters matter to people. Your work, no matter how small your listener base, matters to your listeners in ways you can't even possibly begin to imagine. I wish I knew early on that I would be embraced and celebrated by a supportive, inclusive, an amazing community of fellow creators and listeners in Australia and India, because I live in Australia, but I podcast for the Indian audience, I was afraid of other creators judging me, listeners judging me. Other than that one dude who complained about my different character voices and my weird accent, in these two years, I've only met with love and admiration and constructive criticism. 
I'm sure you've heard of Kevin Kelly's Thousand True Fans theory. All your business needs is thousand true fans who can champion your craft and are willing to financially support you. This is all I ever wanted as an artist for thousand readers or listeners to appreciate and value my art. Let's say podcasting goes the way of ebooks, a fad that has a life cycle of five years, which I truly believe is not the case. But let's say that does happen. I believe that the work you put into this medium will give you creative satisfaction that you've always desired. It will give you the thousand true fans in time. As storytellers, we have been beholden to storytelling tools like books that provide, in my opinion, an inferior experience to our listeners, our consumers. We have worshipped and sustained these sacred cows for what? So our work can be mocked and devalued. Last year, professional writers in the UK who were, this is by established publishing houses, who, who were given opportunities to write young adult manuscripts and they were given a thousand pounds in advance. And I'm sure some of you have worked on books and the months and months it takes to write and redraft and work on edits. Modern storytelling, um, in my day job, I work in the transport and infrastructure sector where innovation is not a, word, it's a, bus, it's not a buzzword. It is the lifeblood of those industries. Modern storytelling podcasts are leading the charge in taking the craft of storytelling to new heights. It is providing people who love a good story a deeply immersive experience that video cannot provide, that text definitely cannot provide. It is opening doors that were barred to us. You are part of this revolution. Do not doubt it. Be proud of it. When I started two years ago, I didn't imagine for one second that podcasting would revive my paralyzed writing career or that I would have the distinction of joining the pantheon of Doctor Who villains or play the hungry tiger and visit of Oz thanks to voice gigs that came my way because of people who listen to my podcast or that I would be talking to movie studios or audiobook publishers or Hollywood agents about movie and TV rights, about exciting new projects. Know that great things await you. And all of you here are infinitely more talented than I am or I ever will be. I can't wait to see where your journey will take you. And it's not going to be an easy road because, after all, art is pain and suffering. And there is a lot of that in your waiting period between these golden opportunities that fall on your lap. But it fills my heart with joy to know that you are on this journey with me. Thank you. Uh, next up is Georgia. She's a writer. Oh, she's a reporter and producer at ABC RN, where she makes long-form stories for RN's documentary programs, Earshot and The History Listen. She's worked as a literature and arts reporter for Books and Arts, and as a producer for RN's National Evening News and Current Affairs program, RN Drive. Georgia. Dear former self, it's 2012 and you're 23 years old. Since you were 18, you've dreamed of working at ABC Radio National and specifically you'd love to work in the features department making long-form stories for the documentary team. This is the advice I would give you. Go to that nerdy history talk at your local library. 
<laughs> yay, history. <laughs> um, because unwittingly, you'll sit next to a woman called Michelle Rayner, who is head of the history documentary team at RN. You'll chat to her at the end of the talk. She'll tell you, no, unfortunately, they're not accepting freelance proposals at the moment. They've spent all their budget this financial year. And no, unfortunately, you can't do an internship at RN. You need to be a uni student to get covered by insurance and you've just graduated. But yes, sure, you could come in for a few days to watch a freelance production being mixed. That'd be fine. For three days, you'll go into the ABC bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. During those three days, Michelle will ask you to send her your CV because they need a production assistant on Sunday mornings. This is your foot in the door at your dream organisation, so make sure you go to that history talk. My next piece of advice for you is this. Buckle in, because your first few years at RN will feel like a rollercoaster ride that's often a little out of control. In your first year at RN, you will work at RN Drive, the evening current affairs program. You will get imposter syndrome because you never actually studied journalism. (laughs) You'll work hard and there'll be stress, lots of it. There will also be self-doubt and nights when you stay late to meet a deadline. There'll be other nights when you have nightmares that the program is live to air across the nation and you're still frantically editing a pre-recorded interview. But you'll be pinching yourself that you get to work where you do. You get paid to do what you love. When you move to work on Books and Arts, you'll get to interview authors and artists you've loved for years. Your work will take you around the country to places you never dreamed you might go. You'll get to go to Arakoon, an Indigenous community in far north Queensland, where you'll go fishing with a charming woman called Dawn Kundumman, who's the traditional owner of the riverbank you're sitting on. You'll end up in one of the strangest share houses you've ever been to, a house in suburban Sydney where five professional video gamers, their coach, their manager and the club owner all live. You'll get to go to the world's largest literature festival in India where you'll run around frantically for a week getting interviews and only manage to pin the festival director down for an interview at 8pm on the last day of the festival when your train leaves the city at 10pm. So buckle in for the roller coaster ride. It's almost all up. My next piece of advice for you is this. Calm down and make the most of where you're at now. Since you were 18, you've wanted to make documentaries at RN. You're ambitious, and that's great. But you're a little bit too preoccupied about getting to your goal. You have a demanding full-time job in radio, so don't beat yourself up too much if you don't have the energy to spend your weekends finding documentary stories and writing up pictures. Instead, focus on all the skills you're building now. All those skills will definitely come in handy when you're finally able to work on the documentary team. My next tip is this, be alert to story ideas all the time. A lot of the stories you'll work on will be dictated by the news cycle or the arts festival you're covering, but always keep your eyes and ears out for stories. In fact, you'll end up getting quite a lot of your stories, ideas from conversations with friends and random people you meet. 
Your brother's friend will mention how the Catholic school she teaches at has been amazingly supportive of a trans student. You can't tell that child's story, but you'll contact a support organisation and do a documentary about a different nine-year-old trans girl. Your aunt will mention in passing that someone in her book club found out that she had a half-sister living on the other side of the world after doing a DNA test in her late 60s. You'll also do a story about that woman. But that's not even the craziest tale of you stumbling on a story idea. One evening, when you and your boyfriend are walking home, a woman on a bike will pull over and offer you a loaf of sourdough bread. She claims she works in a bakery, which you later find out is false. She's a dumpster diver and she's just got a massive haul from a garbage bin. Anyway, you'll start talking to this bread-toting, bike-riding woman under the streetlights and she'll mention in passing that she saw a psychic after her friend went missing in Tasmania in 2011. The story of the woman who went missing will end up becoming the first documentary you make for RN. So when someone you meet mentions something interesting, write it down, start a Google Doc, keep a list on your phone or go old school and use a paper and pen. But also be very aware of the limitations of finding stories on your street or at dinner with your brother's friends. Read widely, listen widely, follow people who aren't from your privileged, mainly white inner city bubble on Twitter. Make stories about people who we don't always hear enough of from in the media. People with disabilities, people from the queer community, people of colour, working class people, Indigenous people. My final tip for you is this. Do what you can to, to surround yourself with good people. Over the next seven years, you'll get to work with and learn from an amazing group of colleagues at the ABC. You'll see presenters and executive producers take a script you've written and transform it from something good into something way, way better. You'll work with fantastic sound engineers who will change the way you hear and the way you use sound in your work. But also look outside the ABC for your people. In 2012, someone will add you to a Facebook group called the Australian Radio Collective and you'll meet a lovely circle of audio people in Melbourne. And then a few years later, in 2016, you'll hear about a new festival called Audiocraft. You'll go along to the conference that year and every year afterwards because it's just the best to be surrounded by your people and you'll always leave totally inspired. You have no way of knowing this yet, but you'll be super chuffed when they invite you to speak at their fourth conference. Thank you. Thanks, Georgia. And now Adam. Adam is a crime editor for Podcast One Australia, where he produces The Trials of the Vampire, Understate Lucille Butterworth and the acclaimed Adam Shand at Large series. And in 2007, he won a Walkley for his investigative work into Victorian police corruption and Melbourne's gangland wars. Adam is at Audiocraft, courtesy of Podcast One Australia, and I'm going to let you take it away. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Right. Dear Adam, you're about to make your first podcast, The Trials of the Vampire. Interesting name. Do you think you might have gone for something a bit shorter? Because people are going to abbreviate this. They're going to call it Trials, or worse, The Vampire Diaries. Still shits me. 
keep that in mind next time. First thing I want to say is be grateful. Before this, let's face it, you're in danger of becoming a washed-up hack headed for PR. <laughs> you believe that journalism was somehow coming to an end for you. You still had stories, but where would you tell them? All the places you worked at and loved were closing down or cutting back drastically or simply didn't want you. Over 30 years, it felt like you had the best career you could hope for. Now it felt like everything was downhill to PR. <laughs> a well-paid job in a suit, home at seven o'clock every night, misery, death. <laughs> then this new medium comes along. It offers the chance to reimagine the way you tell stories. Better still, it offers the chance to go back and investigate so many stories and mysteries that you've always felt bad about not resolving. You will never have a better launching pad for this adventure you're about to embark on. There's only three of you in the podcast team right now. However, trust me, you're working with a team and a company that believe in this and will back it for years to come as the team grows. Be grateful that the boss, Grant Tothill, got the idea of a 10-part podcast that really didn't have an ending or a middle. A lot of beginning was great. <laughs> Be grateful that he doesn't care how long you take. He's saying, just get the story. He's backing your hunch that justice hasn't been done. There's a man in jail who claims that he murdered the vampire gigolo. You all know him, of course. Shane Chartres Abbott Esquire. The self-confessed murderer simply could not have done it. The story is solved, but it's actually unresolved. And everyone has moved on, except you. So be grateful that you can take this journey without maps. You are creating the world of your story over five and a half hours of rich layered stereo sound. Remember the skinny column you were offered on page eight for the same story in a newspaper and you'll know what I mean. The boss has suggested that you, sh you should not listen to any other podcasts as we make this first one. This may feel counterintuitive as you have no experience in making podcasts. But trust this call as perverse as it seems. We come together, not just to make this story, but to understand how we approach the making of this story and all future stories. It might be easier to listen to all the hit podcasts and mimic what they've done. What the boss is proposing will be harder, more robust and bruising at times, but this will become our process for every other podcast for better or worse. You have to bring something of your own to the room. And later when you do listen to other quality crime podcasts, you will see that they've gone through much the same process anyway. After 30 years, you're starting afresh in this new medium. You must cast off all your previous experiences in media from writing books, TV docos, journalism, radio and screenwriting. Each will be useful, but none will cover all the elements that go into making a podcast. You'll see that it draws on all those media. You'll go right back to the beginning of your career to find a useful comparison. Right back to the days when it was just you and a tape recorder, leaving the office and finding a story. This time to avoid embarrassment, you're gonna make sure the recorder is always equipped with batteries and a tape but it's always remarkably similar.
And take your sound seriously. Your motto, if the needle's moving, it's good sound, will not wash in this new endeavour. The soundscape is just as important as the interviews in a podcast. It's how you draw the listener in to your theatre of the mind you're creating. These are movies without pictures. So always carry that recorder with you to capture those sounds that you hear that will help you communicate a mood as well as to capture the interviews. Sure, you can buy every sound in a can you'd ever want, but it's never quite like what you get yourself. Learn your recorder and what it can and cannot do. And forget the line about fixing audio in post. If you record a main interview in a cavernous empty room, it will always sound like you recorded it in a toilet. On the other hand, don't let perfection be the enemy of good. If you have to interview someone in the toilet, do it. And apologise to your editor mixer as soon as possible. If pressed later by the audience, you can blame him for messing up in post anyway. Now, you're going to consult early and frequently with your legal counsel. The onus of complying with suppression orders that carry jail terms for contempt of court rests on your head. Just how early you tell the executive producer that he's also liable for a jail cell is up to you. But the week before the release of the podcast is too late. And also reach out to the police early and often when you're doing true crime. Not that the cops will help you. You know that they're not particularly fond of you. Never have been. Your pitch about seeking outcomes for victims mostly fails, as do arguments about transparency and justice. The top brass will rarely do interviews with you or even meet for a coffee. But you will meet people in the system that will help you. They will direct you to publicly available resources and contacts. And the longer you work at this, the more likely it is you'll bump into someone who really wants to help you. They will take risks to help you in the interests of justice. There can be no better motive. There can be no better person to meet than this. So don't get all hot and self-righteous with police, media, when they give you nothing, even when others less worthy get access. There are many advantages to being the outsider looking in with the help of your new best friends. Don't give in to complexity. There's always a simple way to tell the most complex stories, and that doesn't mean dumbing it down. The problem is invariably in structure. Introducing too many characters too soon is a recipe for overload, and you're going to give the listener a reason to switch off. Being true isn't an excuse for losing your audience in the detail. Kill your babies when you have to. Don't be sentimental. The audience doesn't know what you've left out. Then there's the question of foreshadowing in your story. Your first book editor forbade you against foreshadowing events in your story. Let them unfold and take the reader along with you and don't reveal too much too soon, she said. Unlearn that terrible advice as fast as you can. The attention span of the audience is limited. Many struggle to get through a web page these days, let alone a five and a half hour podcast. Don't give them a reason to switch off by making them work too hard. Tell them clearly what story you're telling. Remember the advice you got early on in your career. Imagine you're running into a pub to tell the drinkers a story. You've got 30 seconds to get them interested enough to follow you to where the story's happening. If you can't do that, they'll become disinterested, even surly. They could even chase you out of the pub. So don't bury the lead in the interests of maintaining mystery or intrigue. Your audience may never get that far into the podcast to know how clever you are. 
Remember the adage about how the story changes the storyteller. You will experience that in a new heightened way. Podcasting is a fascinating and immersive media for the listener and the creator alike. The process of shaping these true life incidents into a story will change your perspective and enlarge the meaning of the story for the audience. If you get it right, the story becomes more than just a story, but someone, part of someone else's lived experience. They will share your emotional responses to the twists and turns of your story. Hopefully they'll share it with others, and so it goes. Six months is a long time to stay excited. Often this will feel like a roller coaster ride on a full stomach of fairy floss. When you start hearing the edits created by your mixer editor, Matt Nikolic, with the full, full music score with sound effects, actors' voices and field sound, the effect will be overwhelming, life-changing. One day in the voice booth, you're going to look at Matt and say, I think I need a hug, mate. And Matt Nikolic will say, I feel the same way. But, he, but you won't hug and there'll be an awkward silence in the booth. <laughs> Matt will rarely see his family for the next six months. He will lose a quarter of his body weight and give up smoking. He'll not be happy about the loss of either. One day you'll catch him weeping over one of the final edits. He'll deny it. But he will give you that hug in the end. You will become an out-of-control collector of vintage watches for reasons you can't quite explain. Everything and everyone will be changed by the experience of making this thing. At the end of all this, you're going to question whether you'll ever write another book, such as your confidence about the possibilities in this brave new world of podcasting. And then you'll sit down to begin your second podcast before that blank sheet of paper once more. And that white expanse of nothing will be just as intimidating as the first time. But you'll retrieve an early draft of this podcast you're making and reflect on the losses within it. The lessons within, I should say. And you'll realize you are no longer lost. You now have a map that can take you anywhere. Thank you. Um, our final, no, not even final. I can't count. Sorry, guys. Um, our next speaker is Travis. He's the producer and co-host of, of the Bro Originals podcast and was the producer for Deadly Voices at the Sydney Opera House. Uh, Travis is also a contemporary artist, writer and producer, and he is a descendant of the Gamilaroi people represent Hey. <laughs> Uh, my dearest past Travis, I hope you are well. Do you remember all of the times you said, oh, that'll be future Travis's problem? <laughs> well, now how the tables have turned. <laughs> it's me, Travis here, and I want to take this time to call you out on some of your bullshit. Sorry, like, language warning for the rest of this. This is going to be a little bit. So strap yourself in, motherfucker. It's about to get wet in here. In one week, it will be a year since you started making Bro Originals. Let's pretend it's actually a year right now, just for storytelling and narrative's sake. Just forget that I said that a little bit. It's been a year. Anyway, this is a really good time to reflect, and this is a pretty good forum to reflect in. There's a whole lot of really awesome industry people who know so much more about all of this than you do, who can really call you out on your bullshit. So we'll see how that goes for you after the after the panel. 
what I really want to do is give you a heads up on some things that are going to come up for you in the next year. And I want to make a list. It's a list of things you should do and things you shouldn't do. Don't. Don't worry so much about the sound quality of your first couple of episodes. They were really crap. You're learning and people are going to understand that and we'll let it slide. You, you better let it slide. Do. Do be really nice to yourself and congratulate yourself often and your co-host. Do it while you're recording. People really don't get to see people being nice to each other enough. And it's crazy how exciting it is to see that. Conflict is great, but you know what is better? Resolution. Don't. Don't tell everyone that you got your creative powers by giving a head job to an Aboriginal god in the back of a cave. That doesn't fly so well with conservative white people or other Aboriginal people, funny. <laughs> Do. Do use the show to create a better relationship with your brother. Because a year in, you guys are going to be closer than you have ever been. And weirdly, even though you never thought this, it's a good thing. I know you never thought it would be a good thing, but it is. Like, really, really a good thing. Don't. Don't get caught up talking about Overwatch hentai on your podcast. It's going to alienate the rest of your family when they find out that that is your kink. <laughs> don't, don't Google that later. <laughs> Do. Do farm your personal life for funny, intimate, engaging and funny stories. Like that time you borrowed your brother's PlayStation when you were both students and your housemate accidentally broke it and you never paid your brother back for it, but it would be a really cool idea to give your brother a PlayStation for a live show and see his live eyes light up at the fact that you made amends for something so stupid. Not because of the materialistic nature of the bit, but just because it really is the thought that counts. Both he and your audience will appreciate it. Don't. Don't talk about being anti-mixed-race rela relationships for the show. Whilst you might think it's really funny, the bit kind of lands flat. Also, don't bring it up as a don't for the live letter you write to yourself <laughs> for the Audiocraft Festival. It wasn't funny on the show and it probably won't be funny now. Or let, we'll see. Do forgive yourself for your mistakes, but definitely learn from them. You can really make something with this show that you and your family will be incredibly proud of, maybe. We'll see. Time will tell. There is no point in laying awake at night worrying about some stupid bit of audio editing that you missed. Don't. Don't get your logo printed on fake condom iron-ons. It's a great joke when you say it out loud, but no one is actually going to pay money to wear one of those things. Do. Do listen to your girlfriend when she says not to get your logo printed on fake condom iron-ons. Do. Do take the time to engage with people on a really human level through the show. Your friends, your family, your audience. In the next year, you're going to meet some incredible people who are going to change the way you look at the world, and it's going to be awesome. So that's a list done. So I'm now the BuzzFeed of podcasts. Uh, now, just a couple of things I wish I knew going into this. You're going to hate how much work the social media side of things is, but it's a necessary evil. You're going to hate the social media when things are slow and you're going to hate it just as much when it's busy. And also you're going to love that dopamine rush, so just just go with it. 
if you make the show about advice, people you know, friends and family, are actually going to start coming to you for your advice on some really heavy stuff. You need to be ready for that. Take it seriously. Even though your show is stupid, take it seriously. Get merch sorted early. It's been a year, man, and you still don't have a t-shirt in the online store. All ready for your live shows. What are you doing? Have a guest policy and stick to it. You're going to get some really weird requests from people to come on the, as a guest for your show. You're going to need to learn how to say no without hurting their feelings. You're not going to get that right all the time. Some feelings will be hurt. Now, uh, one final thing that I feel like I should have known, but I didn't. I come from a theatre background, and uh, rule of theatre is don't work with children and animals. They should also add don't work with family to that because uh, you can't fire family and any issues you might have, you're just going to have to suck up and work really hard on to work it out. Anyway, Travis, make the podcast. It's going to be a blast. You're going to have a great time and it's only going to get better. Yours sincerely, Travis. P.S. I love you. Thanks, Trav. Now it's time for Lindsay. Lindsay is the creator and the host of People Movers, a podcast highlighting the impact of escalators on everyday life. Lindsay co-presents Tuesday's breakfast program on Joy 94.9 and contributes to stories, contributes stories to all the best and previously co-produced the podcast It's a Match. Lindsay. Dear Lindsay. You're going to hate your podcast. It's November 2017. You've spent the past year telling everyone you're going to make a podcast about escalators. Escalators, they'll ask sceptically. How are you going to make a podcast about escalators? Oh, well, there's actually a lot to talk about. I'll tell them confidently. You've recorded a couple of interviews, you've put it together with some narration, and your first episode is finally finished. And you're going to hate it. You'll finally release it, not because you're proud of it or because you can't wait for people to hear it, but because you hate it so much you can't bring yourself to work on it any longer. <laughs> when people tell you that they've listened to it, uh, you're going to cringe and change the subject. When people tell you that they like it or that you've done well, you're going to tell yourself that they're lying. It's like when you get a new haircut that is obviously awful and people tell you it looks good just to make you feel better, but you both know it's terrible. You'll tell yourself that they're just trying to make you feel better because you both know the podcast sucks and you suck and why did you commit to making a whole season of something that sucks so much? <laughs> but I want to share a secret with you, 2017, Lindsay. It doesn't suck. You're just holding yourself to a standard that is completely unrealistic and here's why. You are just one person. You got into this because you love podcasts. Serial was your gateway podcast and it opened up a whole new world of highly produced narrative non-fiction audio. It made you want to create work that's meaningful and smart and well-researched, like the podcast that got you interested in the first place. But do you know how many people it takes to make the podcasts that you love so much? Our program was produced today by Lily Sullivan. The people who put our show together includes Elna Baker, Ben Calhoun, Zoe Chase, Dana Chivas, Sean Cole, Aviva DeKornfeld, Hilary Elkins, Jarrett Floyd, Damian Graves, Seth Lynn, Mickey Meek, Lena Masitsis, Stowe Nelson, Catherine Raimondo, Nadia Raymond, Christopher Sotala, Matt Tierney, Nancy Updike, and Diane Wu. Our managing editor is David Kastenbaum. That's 21 people, plus Ira Glass. They have decades' worth of experience between them. 
And Lindsay, do you know how many years of experience you have? About five. (laughs) You tell yourself to treat your podcast like a job, even though you already have one. You're making your podcast in between your full-time job after you finish work at five and before you go to bed at nine because you're an aggressive morning person and can't stay awake any later than that. But unlike the people who are making podcasts as their full-time jobs, you don't get any sick leave or superannuation. You don't have a manager who checks in on your KPIs or gives you praise for working hard. You can't negotiate your salary or lobby for more flexible working conditions. Plus, and most importantly, they're getting paid and you're doing this for free. Actually, you're not even doing it for free. You're paying to make it. You pay for equipment and software and you travel to new places to talk to interesting people. Plus, you pay with your time. Say you put in roughly 10 hours work into each episode. So far, you have 10 episodes, so that's about 100 hours of work. If you take that 100 hours of work and multiply it by a reasonable hourly rate, you're looking at a couple of thousand dollars. That means that you've spent a couple of thousand dollars hating what you're making. I don't make a lot of money, but at least I know that that is a terrible investment. (laughs) Uh, But 2017 Lindsay, take it from 2019 Lindsay, who is older and wiser and getting really tired of hating everything that she makes, you're going to be okay. Uh, I know you hate doing things that you're not good at. You never played team sports because other people were better than you. You quit learning Italian in high school because you weren't the best in the class. And this year you set yourself a news resolution to do 10 push-ups, but you gave up once you realised you couldn't do one. (laughs) But the work you're doing now is just a reflection of your skills at this point in time. It's not always going to be like this. And I know you hate not being the best, but being bad at things is actually a good thing because it means you can look back and see how far you've come. And believe me, Lindsay, you were so much worse at this when you first started. (laughs) Uh, Now, I was just going to talk about your latest single, All Out. Uh, It has a very 90s vibe in a very good way. Uh, Was that intentional? Yeah, I mean, I don't think you ever set out to make something that sounds 90. Well, I certainly didn't set out to, to make something like that, but I guess you just, I don't know, I guess just happened that way, you know? Yeah. Uh, you wrote the song with Jonathan Bunetta. Uh, is songwriting something that you want to get into a bit more? Yeah, Julian Bunetta. Oh, Julian. Oh, yeah, that's embarrassing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all good. <laughs> Uh, So that was from one of my first interviews at Sina Community Radio Station in Melbourne. It was a 15-minute interview and it was all that good. (laughs) But the best thing about community radio is that they still let you keep on coming back, even if you suck that much. Uh, Just like the haircut that nobody thinks is awful except for you, you need to go through the ugly phase first. I think I realised it was worth making the podcast, even though it mightn't be perfect, earlier this year. I had my production schedule for season two of the podcast perfectly mapped out. I was going to record all of my interviews by this date, so I could do all of my editing by that that date, and then I was going to release all of the episodes weekly in the six weeks leading up to Audiocraft. That didn't happen. We're at Audiocraft now, and if you subscribe to the podcast, you know I only have one episode out from season two. Uh, that's because making things by yourself is really hard, not only for the lack of resources that I've already mentioned, but also because of the isolation When I finished the first season of the podcast last year, I was really burnt out. I went from feeling burnt out to sad to motivated to burnt out again. It was in the second round of burnout earlier this year that I realised that it didn't need to be like this. 
no one cared when I released new episodes. No one knew that I'd missed these self-imposed deadlines or that I was failing on some arbitrary measure of my own success. The podcast was supposed to be fun and I wasn't having fun anymore. I make this by myself without any money in between working a full-time job. I'm going to make new episodes when I make new episodes and they're going to be of a quality that I'm capable of at this stage in my career and that's okay because I'm learning and even Ira Glass said that he sucked at this when he first started. Uh, And I'm pleased to say that I'm finally okay with that. So my dear, sweet, hypercritical, perfectionist 2017 Lindsay, cut yourself some slack and just make the podcast. Thank you. Thanks to Nikesh, Georgia, Adam, Travis, Lindsay and Rudy. Thanks also to Podcast One Australia and Andrew Renfrew for recording this session. The Audiocraft podcast is produced and mixed by Ryan Pemberton. The music is produced by James Milsom. If you haven't already, subscribe to the Audiocraft podcast. New episodes from 2019's festival will appear in your feed every week, and there's a whole back catalogue of audio advice for you to explore. If you're a fan of this session, make sure you download Under the Hood with Love and Luck. It's an episode from 2018 that lifts the lid on making an audio drama. The scope of the project was hugely influential on the story and structure of Love and Luck. Uh, For example, I didn't want to have to rely on volunteer actors too much, so I had to keep my cast numbers low. Um, I knew Lee was interested in voice acting, and I figured I can do some voice acting. Um, So I went, okay, I've got two actors that can do the bulk of the work. So what kind of story can I tell with two main characters? What lends itself to that? Well, romance, of course. Right. So that was our genre, decided by scope. We'd love to keep in touch. Sign up for our newsletter at audiocraft.com.au and find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We're at Audiocraft Fest. Audiocraft Fest.